0: Hey everyone, I want to do a lesson on sky color. It's blue. But wait, there's more. Ever notice that the sky is made of different blues? Blues whose hues tend to progress the higher up you look in the sky. Let's analyze those blues of different hues. The rhymes will stop now. A generic blue sky will range from the turquoise end of blues and progress toward the ultramarine end. That shift is small, but there's quite a significant value change inherent in that shift. Check it out here in grayscale. Notice the turquoise blue gives me lighter values than the ultramarine blue. I think a lot of people know about this color phenomenon intuitively, but in case you don't, let's solidify it here. As you can see, I'm picking colors horizontally across the color picker. That is, I'm only changing saturation. And I've done that over two different hues of blue. The saturation levels are the same, but we turn it to grayscale and there's a value change. This means that the most fundamental aspect of painting a blue sky involves a change of hue toward the ultramarine end, coupled with an increase of saturation, and these both progress the further up in the sky you go. And then just to check, changing that to grayscale, we have our inherent value change, which is true to a real-life sky. Now I'm using the rectangular color picker because I like that one, the triangular color picker, on the other hand, is a bit more intuitive because it visually implies that there's a value change that happens over saturation. Okay, let's go ahead and paint our first real sky following only the principles we've learned so far. I started with a middle blue that's going to be in between my overall gradient. From there, I can add the ultramarine, more saturated blue at the top. Then I'll move down into the lower half of the sky, progressing into the more turquoise blues, and of course with less saturation. To give the sky some context, let's throw in a tiny little landscape at the bottom. This shows me where the base of the sky is, nearest the horizon, and that's where I can find my least saturated, most turquoise blue. And sure enough, this is a perfectly believable sky. To progress a little bit here, the value change in those blues starts off kind of slowly, but then darkens quickly near the top of the sky. My lightest values comprise the bottom two-thirds here, and the darker values the top third. That'll help keep your sky looking like it's made of light. Okay, but there are more interesting and maybe creative ways to do this. A classic oil painting tradition is to lay down a warm underpainting. And right on top of this, I'll start doing the same thing I just did in the previous example. This time though, because I'm blending into that warm underpainting, I'm going to use brushes that encourage blending. I'm using Photoshop here, so it's a lot of mixer brush tool or smudge tool. And same thing as before, I'll figure out where the horizon is and throw in a tiny landscape. Again, the landscape gives you the darker values that put the sky in context. It gives the picture a full range of value, which is helpful. I really like the organic color blends that happen when you paint a cool sky over a warm underpainting. In these two plain air paintings, you can almost count the brush strokes in the sky. The warm underpainting gave me interesting color mixes for free. This is a production background I did for a TV show. I always try to squeeze in that gradient, even if there's only a sliver of the sky showing. That was true in the plein air painting as well. Now, the range of hues you use in the sky are not set in stone. I shot this out my windshield the other day. Don't worry, I had lane detection on. Now, the camera didn't capture it perfectly, but this sky feels way less ultramarine-y and more turquoise It reminds me of this piece by Edgar Payne. Of course, we can capture this using the same approach, We just have to be mindful of the range of hues we're working within. My underpainting already includes more green. More on that in a minute. As I progress through my sky gradient here, I'm being mindful of two things. First is that my least saturated color at the horizon still has a fair bit of saturation to it that helps keep the sky nice and colorful. And second is that the extreme end of my hue shift at the top of the sky only has barely moved away from the cyan or turquoise end of blue. This limits that darkening of value we talked about. The darkness of blue, by the way, is most pronounced in the ultramarine hues. And I have simply avoided that here by not progressing that far up the spectrum. My darkest blue is about here. And I've progressed pretty far down, bordering on green even. And speaking of greens, you can often find cooler greens in skies. If I made the horizon a lot warmer, say these neutral yellows, You'll see this, by the way, in mornings and late afternoons. So when I have this, the top of my sky is still blue. But now I have completely opened up the range of color I have to progress through. And pop quiz, what happens when you mix blue and yellow? We will look into the answer to that question right after I tell you about the sponsor of this video. As an artist, you're probably going to be working alone a lot. And that's a territory that can come with a lot of uncertainty. Sometimes that aspect of it can present difficult and unexpected mental health challenges. And that's why I'm proud to tell you about the sponsor of this month's video, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and accessible. Starting therapy can be daunting. BetterHelp can match you to one of thousands of licensed therapists in their network, someone who is trained to listen and give you helpful, unbiased advice. Because it's an online service, you'll have access to a wider range of expertise than may be available in your area. I have my own link to help you get started. It's betterhelp.com slash marcobucci. You'll be prompted to fill out a questionnaire and then BetterHelp can begin suggesting therapists that fit your needs. There are a range of options for scheduling sessions based on your preferences and level of comfort. I know from experience that it helps to talk to someone about what's going on inside your mind. If you think you might benefit from therapy, consider clicking the link in the description betterhelp.com slash marcobucci and get 10% off your first month. And thank you BetterHelp for offering this type of service as I think it's truly important, especially in today's world. Alright, blue and yellow make green. And I know that you already knew that. What you might not have known is that you can find green in regular blue skies. Here I can easily amplify the greens that were already indicated in the underpainting. Even this very blue sky can accept some greens and still look totally appropriate. So why is that? Why does that work? Well, that's actually a much larger question. Ever wonder why the sky is blue? I mean, what, is it made of blue air or something? Well, Marco, to understand this, we have to understand a little bit about light itself. That burning ball is the sun and it's emitting what we call white light. But white light is made of a lot of constituent parts. You might've heard the acronym BIV. Apparently some of you know it as VIBGYOR. It's a list of the colors that make up the visible spectrum. You probably know that when sunlight shines into a prism, the prism refracts those colors, revealing them to us. To dig a little deeper, those colors of light are individual wavelengths, and each length is different. Warmer colors have longer wavelengths than cooler colors. So let's say we have a sky represented by this bowl shape. A human being is here and the sun is way up here. Yeah, this isn't drawn to scale. Now the atmosphere is of course filled with countless particles. And when the white light from the sun hits these particles, physics causes the wavelengths to get scattered. And it's particularly the shorter blue wavelengths that get scattered throughout the sky, giving us the appearance of a blue sky. This phenomenon is called Rayleigh scattering. Now, the horizon is a bit of a different story. You're looking through a lot thicker atmosphere there. Again, physics causes the shorter wavelengths, the cooler colors, to disperse a little more at the horizon, giving passage to some of the longer wavelengths. And in that cascade of color comes green. And now we know why green belongs in the sky. Now, this lesson is not really about sunsets, but just while we're here. When the sun is low on the horizon, those longer wavelengths, the warm colors, really dominate. And you get that classic warm horizon. Note, however, that the top of the sky is still blue, even in a sunset. It has something to do with the thickness of the atmosphere there, the type of particles, I don't know. Point is, the horizon is warmer than the top of the sky. It's just a matter of degree. And that's not even color theory, that's science. Here's color theory. On a color wheel, let's pick where we want the deepest, most saturated part of our sky. The horizon wants to be warmer. The path the color will take to move to that warm color looks like this. But when the sun is high in the sky, it can't get all the way there. Its path to the horizon looks more like this, which is the range we've been painting in this lesson. The nature of the scattering during midday prevents the full range of movement. But I think it's important to know that the range of color during a midday sky is part of a larger color movement. Okay, so a sky lesson would not be complete without clouds. And we'll be talking about cumulus clouds here, you know, the big puffy ones. The general shape of those clouds is less like this, and more like this, with a flatter bottom that implies weight. Clouds do have weight, after all they're made of collections of water vapor. The next step is perspective. Unless you're in an airplane, we look up at clouds. That means we see a lot of the bottom plane of those forms. And you can even shade in that bottom plane, because if the sun's coming from above, that's where the cloud's shadow goes. Now start stacking those forms, being sure they overlap each other, and that their size decreases with distance. And that's how you build a sky full of clouds. Okay, let's make it more realistic now, and add color. First, a quick sky gradient and start by making a cloud shape. I'll keep this one pretty simple. Okay, on the bottom left there is a sphere, which will progress alongside our cloud. Right now, it's just a shape. And now I'm filling in that shape. So let's talk color. Obviously clouds are white, so it's totally valid to use neutral warms or neutral cools. Feel free to combine them, which is what I'm doing here. So what color is a cloud's shadow? There are many correct answers, but generally I like to start with a neutral ultramarine blue. That is, a blue that's closer to violet. Now look at our sphere for a moment. This is what I'm doing, getting in that simple shadow shape. The undulations of a cloud make the shadow shapes a bit more complex, but I'm still just trying to define the underplane. Now that color there works fine, but we can explore further. There might be warm bounce light coming up from the earth. So using very soft edges, I'm mixing some of this color into the shadows. You can also add a different type of blue, and with an increased saturation. After all, there's tons of blue reflected light up there. Okay, just a quick note on value. Don't make the shadow value too dark, like this. It'll make your cloud look more like a brick. Keep those shadow values nice and airy, up here. It's actually okay if it starts blending in a little bit with the blue of the sky. That does happen in real life. Okay, now we tackle halftone, the form-turning value. If you look at the sphere, you can see exactly what the halftone is. I like to keep my halftone color for clouds generally warm to enforce the relative warmth of the sunlight compared to the sky. That being said though, feel free to experiment with some very neutral cools in there too. This can really help the color harmony. Also when colors are desaturated and close to gray like this, you can get away with a lot of different mixtures. And the last step in our cloud here is just to soften edges. That includes the cloud's outline, you know, softening the silhouette edges, as well as the edges between halftone and shadow, maybe softening the bounce light color blends. This is something you do to taste. In fact, you don't have to do it at all, depending on your art style. But here we have our happy little cloud. And our happy little cloud needs some friends. So let's paint a whole sky. As with most applied things in art, you learn to combine steps. So I'll work on the composition of these clouds concurrently with building the sky gradient. I find that one informs the other compositionally. I do like to start at the top of the sky and work my way back in distance, simply because the closer clouds are a bit less overlapped, and therefore you'll see more of their shape unobstructed. So I think the most important thing is to get some cloud shapes happening. I've got three here. Notice that they're all different shapes, but they play on the same design theme. And I do like to figure out each cloud's shadow as I go, at least a general shape of it, which keeps the forms honest and accounted for. It's very easy to add a hundred formless clouds and end up with a giant mess. Some clouds might be catching shadows from other clouds, and they can appear silhouetted, like this one. The shadows of clouds can also be broken up, like this cloud here has a main shadow, but also these smaller ones. Remember that clouds are very organic they're going to have all kinds of little undulations in them. See this cloud here? That looks like light, right? But watch this, it's actually shadow. The shadow values of clouds become lighter with distance. This is due to things like atmospheric perspective, but also the fact that you're seeing distant clouds up against a lighter sky. Remember that sky gradient lightens as you get towards the horizon. That means the cloud's shadow value up here will absolutely not work down here. It'll be way too dark in context. And the reverse is true. A shadow value from this cloud would look like light if I used it up here. That's another good reason to paint your clouds kind of in order. From closest to farthest, like I'm doing, or the opposite. It'll help you keep track of these gradual value changes. Remember how warmer colors come through at the horizon more than the top of the sky? That can influence the cloud's overall color too. You can often find a slight reddening of clouds closest to the horizon. Now that I've mentioned it, I hope you can detect it in this painting. It's subtle, but present. And of course, by the time I'm painting those very distant clouds, I'm barely making brushstrokes. You can paint a whole cloud with a single brushstroke. And one last tip if the cloud is small enough, don't even bother separating it into light and shadow. The atmospheric perspective will gobble that up, much like it does with distant mountains. And there's our nice sky, full of light and color. I hope you've learned a lot from this video. Skies are really fun to paint. Hey, this is my last video of the year. I've got a lot planned moving forward, so hit subscribe and I'll see you in the new year.